Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. We're back. The Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast, Wednesday, April 12th. And apparently, people wanted another episode of this thing, Jason. Yeah, they just now finished episode one. That was a long one on running backs. And uh, they're like, oh, give me more. And so, so we will. And we'll give you a lot more. I'm Kyle Borgannoni. I'm joined, as always, by the Baron of the Black Book, Jason Moore. Well, hello. And uh, we have someone new here, uh, new guy here. It's our injury expert and fellow DFS embedding podcast host, Matthew Betts. Here I am. Uh, which is hilarious after the first episode last week. You know, our intro guy, which of course we all know is Jason, mentioned right. uh, the show is hosted by Borg, Betts, and a baller. And there was, fellas, zero, absolutely zero mention of who this random Betts guy was on the show last week. So you know, as I was listening back, I thought it was just so funny. And there was just zero comment about it. But hey, here I am. Yeah, we were too full of ourselves, and, and still are, uh, to mention you but yes, you are the bets of the intro, the Borg, the bets, and a baller. For for anybody that's new, uh, maybe you're you're finding the fantasy footballers brand for the first time, or uh, everyone is is listening to the the fantasy footballers dynasty show here for the first or second time. Um, Borg and bets they have run for the last couple years the DFS podcast wing of the fantasy footballers. They run a lot of the DFS and sports betting stuff uh that they've now rebranded that show going forward dfs and betting and and so to make sure that everyone knows uh bets you 
you started here really as our, our injury ex- expert. You're a board-certified physical therapist. You know your stuff. You've done so much research, and you've been, um, I think, pretty proven to be uh, very accurate in your analysis. And, and And furthermore, as you've gone, everybody here, everybody at the Fantasy Footballers, we're all full-time. We, this is what we do for a living. This is what we do round the clock. We eat, sleep, drink and uh, live fantasy football. Mm, mm. But I want to give you guys a little bit of credit because I was looking back at how you did on your DFS and sports betting stuff last year. And on your your weekly, I mean, you were great. You were above average. You hit that 55%. Oh, yeah, I saw you reaching for a button. Uh, Give me that uh, button! Thank you. Also, you let me down with your speed there, Kyle. That was (laughs) Kyle's mistake. Um, But really, I I was looking at your season-long your season-long props, fifty-five uh, percent is good. Sixty percent, which you had from week six on, is is great for the betting world. You guys hit eighty percent, eighty percent of your season-long bets, including a thirty-to-one offensive player of the year, which is a nice payout for uh, Mister Justin Jefferson. Great job, you guys know what you're talking about. And and honestly, one of the nice things about having bets here, I'm in the studio. With Bor, with uh, the Borgogan, and with Mike, and with Andy from the main, from the main uh, fantasy footballers uh, show, but bets we don't get to talk as much because you are more remote. So I don't. I'm interested your takes on these wide receivers, on all the prospects. I'm very curious uh, where you agree with me and where you're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> there's some dumb things that bets can say. But yes, we've been doing that podcast. This is our fifth year, bets. By the way, for DFS. No. Yes. Is, is it, it really? really? Yeah, five years. Uh, that wow. We've been doing this. Good and, job. I know. And but but on top we of that, them, I, Kyle, <laughs> don't letting I, us do it for five years. I think yeah, we're going to year five. The thing is, we can all bring some different perspectives for Dynasty. And a reminder: we are a fantasy show, so we're going to be looking at these prospects today, the wide receivers, and. Talking a little bit about, you know, here's their draft pedigree. Here's what we think they'll do. Here's how we think they'll fit in. Here's what we like, don't like. But then how does this translate to fantasy? So this conversation we're having today uh, for Dynasty, there's just so many different facets that we can cover. And I saw a ton of comments. We saw your comments all over the place. You guys love the show. You know, people say, I want it in, in this respect. I want you to talk about Superflex. We're going to talk about all these things in our Dynasty show. And if you want to get more of that content, you can get that in the Dynasty Pass, which is at ultimatedraftkit.com. We're always putting up stuff. We're always updating. We just added a couple of players to our production profiles. Literally right before the show, I was looking at Evan Hull, the running back out of uh, Northwestern, who you know caught a ton of passes. So it just we're always updating. It's a living, breathing thing that you can get at ultimatedraftkit.com. But I wanted to start off with a quick question I got from our Discord. And Betts, I'll let you take this first because you and I, participated in a mock draft yesterday with some people shout out to the lovely people that participated in a super flex mock draft. But the question is from our Ramos from discord. Do you find yourself wanting to trade away late first round rookie picks in drafts? Yeah, I think, you know, this to me really comes down to a lot of conversation about super flex formats versus one QB. And obviously in super flex, depending on the strength of the quarterback class, there's always going to be, two or three, sometimes up to four or five that get pushed up the board. You know, this year we have kind of a big four consensus. So that's going to push down running backs and wide receivers into the 1.08, 1.09, 10 type of range. It makes it more appealing. In single quarterback leagues, 
you know, the hit rate for these guys, we're always seeing things as fantasy players through a best case scenario situation. But the reality is, to quote uh, the great Jason Moore here, the reality is um, these guys have a pretty low hit rate in the back of the first round. And Kyle, I know you did an article on the site, Dynasty Rookie Drafts, what the last five years can tell us. There's some names that pre-NFL draft, even post-NFL draft, everyone was just so excited about the 1.09 to one point you know, 12 range. And a lot of times they just don't work out. So if I can get a proven player for one of these picks, I am very willing to do it. For example, in one of my leagues just recently, uh, I traded the 1.09 for um, for Hollywood Brown uh, as a trade. So that's kind oh, of the range baby. that I'm looking to get out on. Yeah, if you can get a proven player in this this range, I'm definitely willing to move it. Yeah, there's, there's a number of players like in our mock draft uh, that we did yesterday, the Superflex one. The back of the first round is a, a run of wide receivers that we assume are going to get first-round draft capital. Some of them will probably end up being late. You know, they'll be in the second. But what I've found is that this spot in a draft is a prime spot for other people to make mistakes. Like, a lot of times, people trade up in the back of the first round because they think, oh, I can get a player with immediate opportunity. What I've found is that players with immediate opportunity are often boosted over players with better draft capital. So, for instance, last year... Sky Moore and Damian Pierce both were boosted up above Jahan Dotson simply because we thought they had better immediate opportunity. The year before, um, <clears throat> Trey Sermon was boosted up above Jalen Waddell. And this is consensus, not just you, Jason, not just other people, but Trey Sermon was a top 10 rookie pick because of what we thought. The year before, Justin Jefferson was in this range, so that's awesome, but also Keyshawn Vaughn was. So, I don't know. What, what what do you think, Jason, about this back of the first? Spot? Yeah, the, the back of the first, and, and we'll just call it the top of the second if you're in a super flex league because we're really talking about once you're past those stud, you know, top four or five prospects that are usually in every single class outside of the quarterback position. Once you're past those, that next tier of players seems like it's about a 50% hit rate, which is good, but do you want to know what a 100% hit rate is? players that have already done it like if if you know they're playing in a in an important role in the NFL and they've done that for years you're getting something and so yeah you you do miss out on the opportunity to hit on a Justin Jefferson and that, those are those are incredible those are league changers and when you hold on to that pick swing for the fences and hope you get them but the hit rate to just go from 50% to 100%, even if the ceiling isn't as sexy, is probably a wise move. I, I was just looking at our personal draft we had from 2021. So we've got a couple years, and, and we know, like, are they going to work out or not? And I'm looking at the back of the first. It was Jalen Waddle, fantastic. Elijah Moore, whoopsie doozle. Justin Fields, okay, that one's finally looking good. Michael Carter, okay, well, that wasn't so good. Rashad Bateman, still TBD. I mean, there there are a lot of misses along with the hits. So if you can, Brooks, I, I don't know if Brooks, are you are you recording? Are you monitoring? I'm here. All right, so Brooks, the judge, uh, producer extraordinaire, he has been one of the best teams in our main dynasty league since the beginning. I think he has the best overall record from day one and I'm I'm sorry to put that on you Brooks because you you still haven't won that championship we, <laughs> yeah I know you know I I, t I try to take those but he never has draft picks he trades them all away for proven commodities and is always good 
is in the playoffs every year, is competing for the title, sadly never winning, um, but it's still important. I mean, all you can do is just have a solid team and hope that works out in the playoffs, but uh, I, I would always take a sure thing that has 80% the ceiling over a 50-50 shot of, because the, the, the truth, that 50-50 hit rate, it's not 50% Justin Jefferson right. and 50% whiff. The 50% is you're hoping to get that that solid but not spectacular player. That's the most likely outcome is, okay, I've, I've got a usable, uh, solid player going forward. And the players that were in our mock draft and I see in one quarterback mock drafts are the wide receivers that we'll be talking about today. So, like, your Zay Flowers, your Josh Downs, those are the players that end up being towards the back of the first and a lot of – and. There's a wide range of outcomes for them. There's also, like, for Zay Flowers, I'm not a huge fan here. You might get a player that gives you production for maybe two years, and then who knows in his second contract. So I'm with you. I tend to trade these picks. Uh, in our Dino Junior League, I've been trading those because I keep finishing in the playoffs. I keep losing to your team. Yeah, yeah, you do. Both of you guys have lost to me in the playoffs. This is great. You know what's funny is I actually had a dream the other night. I didn't tell you this. I had a dream that your team somehow collapsed, just like <laughs> catastrophic. And uh, call it prophetic, call it what you want. But I've been trading away those picks for veterans, and Hollywood Brown is one of those players, Bets, you mentioned, that I traded for in that league uh, for a late first. So uh, you can get our Dynasty rookie rankings right now, our startup rankings, all of those in the Dynasty Pass. But if you are here with us, uh, we are here to talk wide receivers. <laughs> Wide receivers. If you want to go more in depth, so this is an audio format. On the website, we have full rookie profile articles and the Dynasty Pass. We have rankings, production profiles. We we have a ton of content here. So uh, today we're talking about wide receivers. And before we go into this, let's talk about the scouting process. Jason's going to get out his black book in just a second. But we had to change our metrics in the Dynasty Pass of what we're looking for in a wide receiver. So, Betts, I want you to kind of break that down and break down what you look for in a wide receiver because we had to adjust our height and our weight because the NFL is just changing as a whole. Yeah, and I think you're seeing it with this class, right? I mean, in general, this class is insanely small compared to what we're used to seeing in the NFL, and that's changing in a big landscape in terms of how players are winning, which players are winning in the NFL, and how that translates to fantasy. But for me, what I look you know, for, especially just from an analytics perspective, is are these guys forcing their way onto the field early in their career, or are they having to wait two, three, sometimes four years to actually break out, which usually is not a great sign. You, you kind of want to stay away from these like one-hit wonders in college, guys that force their way onto the field early, earn targets, and then I'm always kind of a little worried about these guys that are one-trick ponies, You know, just the deep threats, just the contested catch guys. Love to see guys that are better at route running and can earn targets, like I said, early in their career. And by no means am I a, a wide receiver scout, but there's just some guys that you put on the tape and you're like, wow, that, that, that guy gets it. You know, He kind of knows what he's doing versus, like I said, just those one-trick ponies down the field, which uh, we're going to talk about one of those today on the show. For running backs, we talked about weight. And I feel like this morning, Jason and I had another 20-minute conversation about this wide receiver class and weight, and I think that's the big headline of this small group. So Jason, in general... Why is it why is it so important that we're, we we want to look at a number the number you throw was 190 pounds like 
it really matters when it comes to fantasy production. Yeah, a couple of years ago, back in the day, it was basically 200 pounds. You needed guys to be over 200. Like we've said, the NFL's gotten faster, a little bit smaller. Uh, the pace of play is up, and these lighter guys are good. But lighter is relative, and it is really important when we're looking at, from a fantasy football perspective, who gets the job done? So I went through this morning because, I, you know, we've we've thrown out the weight. We know this, this is an itty-bitty class. I mean, this class of wide receivers – Personally, I just hate them uh, top to bottom <laughs> for the most part. I mean, like my my generic general brush stroke over the whole wide receiver classes. I'm unhappy with this year. There's going to be some players that are good. There's uh, there are players in this that, uh, that I do love, but just generally speaking. And the reason is because it's so itty bitty and it's so tiny. So I went through last year in half PPR, the top 50 wide receivers. OK, the top 50. Those are borderline irrelevant, some of those players. But if they're not even in the top 50, they're fully irrelevant. I mean, we're, we're talking about um, players like... Mac Hollins. Yeah, Mac Hollins is in the top 50 this last year. So, uh, you know, not... And, and I went through, and there were six total players, just, just about 12% of that, that were under 190 pounds. I mean, ev everyone else is over that threshold playing and succeeding for scoring fantasy points. It's not to say they can't be valuable for a team or have a long career in the NFL, but maybe they're a special teamer. Maybe they're doing things, taking the top off of defenses and stretching the field, but not scoring fantasy points. For our purpose, the people that score fantasy points are over 190 pounds almost exclusively. Now, what's amazing is the six guys that were under 190 pounds they're clear and obvious superstars. Four of those six were drafted in the first round. They were supposed to be great. Jalen Waddell, uh, Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, and Hollywood Brown, all first-round picks. Like They came in the NFL dominating in college, being drafted in the first round, being told, like, oh, this is, this is my one. This is my superstar. This guy is a difference maker. And so, the, you know, the others are just complete outrageous outliers. And when you look at this class, I was looking at uh, Dane Brugler's The Beast, which is unbelievable. Uh, talk about a, a scouting dictionary. But I, I looked at his top uh, 15 wide receivers according to his big board ranking, so not fantasy-related, just like NFL draft projection-related. Seven of those guys are under 190 pounds. Half of the top 15 are under that, and 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 several of them are under 180 pounds. So it's a very light class, and I think that most of these guys won't work out for fantasy being relevant week in and week out starters. I think it just comes down to, when we go through these players, adjusting our expectations of what they can be, and do they fit a certain mold for fantasy? So, you know, we'll talk about some guys that are like, is this a slot-only wide receiver that we could use in PPR leagues for two to three years. You know, like the one I've been using is Jamison Crowder. Did he have a couple of usable years? Yes, but he was not a fantasy difference maker in the NFL. Uh, you know, usable in PPR leagues is like a flex, but let's move forward. We're going to talk about a player that I, this is one of the things I look for is quickness. And on our site, we use three cone and 12 yard or 10 yard shuttle drills. Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State is the Clear number one for you, all three of you guys, uh, the ballers. And 
the best thing about him, about Jackson Smith and Jigba, is he's been great. He's been a five-star recruit since high school. He was the Texas State Player of the Year. As a senior, Jason, he had over 2,000 yards and 35 touchdowns. That sounds about what the film says. (laughs) So I care about that stuff because when players have been great for a long time and they actually deliver, we care about it. It's the Trevor Lawrence effect that you've talked about a lot, Jason, as well. But Smith and Jigba at the Combine said, hey, I'm going to do what I'm really good at, which is having the 12th best three cone and the fourth best 20-yard shuttle since 2007. So he's quick, in and out of breaks, gets open, and insane production at Ohio State. This past year dealt with a hamstring injury. Betts, is there any worry from an injury perspective about that hamstring, or is it like, hey, we saw what he did at the Combine? Yeah, I think he came out and proved this offseason that he is definitely over that injury. And, you know, there's some speculation that maybe once kind of it got aggravated that, you know, his team or advisors of of the NFL draft said, hey, man, like, we kind of know who you are. Maybe you should shut it down and really get healthy for the offseason. I'm not sure. That's just speculation. But yeah, from what I've seen, looks like he is over that. Of course, when you look at his complete profile, that is a knock on him. Of course, you know, we can't just uh, say it doesn't matter. It does. But from what I've seen from his offseason workouts, uh, he does look to be over that, which, you know, to me is obviously a great sign. So I I see him as a star for fantasy, uh, a wide receiver one type going forward. His floor is extremely high. The big knock on him is that he's a slot wide receiver, and that's where he played exclusively. We've debunked that. That's nonsense. Not only is it fine to be a slot wide receiver, and you can score a ton of fantasy points in the NFL from the slot, but also that doesn't relegate him to the slot. There, he, he played the majority of his snaps in the slot, but there's plenty of film of him on the outside where he's great and he dominates. He was, you know, maybe he was in the slot because he was playing with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, which is like, oh, he was. And both those guys said he's better. And they don't they they don't say it just now trying to raise his draft stock. They said this prior to the 2021 season, talking him up. So that 2021 season was outrageously good. Everyone couldn't wait for him to declare the 2022 season lost to injury, kind of sucked. So that is the red flag. I have no worries whatsoever. And I I also think he's pretty much um he's going to have first round draft capital that's a guarantee at this point so i think he's destination proof yeah his over under line right now in DraftKings sportsbook is at 12 and a half so probably going to be somewhere in that top 15 picks the texans is the number one place that i feel like he keeps getting mocked uh and yeah if he was there with teammate cj stroud that would be pretty cool he's going to eat up zone over and over and over again in the nfl and my comp is a taller more explosive amon Ra. And if you wanted to go, you know, a little higher, he has some CD Lamb. CD Lamb is one of those players that is, does he play in the slot most of the time? Yes, but he can play outside. He's not only in the slot. So there's so much that you can like here. It's a high floor. I guess what I'm trying to figure out and gauge, because I'm in a league where I have the 102 in a one quarterback league, and he seems like the dude. After you pick Bijan, maybe mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. you won't pick him, Jason. Maybe you'll just yeah, maybe well, it's a big yeah, aside. TBD. I haven't made my pick yet. What a ruse that would be, by the way. Oh man! If you just stayed with that, just for the bit, okay? Just that you stay with it all. Like the time. if it just throw playing this out, okay? Because my my team's loaded at running back, and I and I I've been trying to get the one hundred two from you to get Jackson Smith and Jigba, but it would be funny if Bijan goes to say the Patriots, right? A bad destination, you know, a timeshare with Ramondre, not a great offense. And then 
JSN goes to the Chiefs. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> uh, would I have hesitation there? I, I think at that point I'd have to trade the one on one for someone that would pay up for Bijan and try to try to back down to the one. Yeah, maybe maybe you can offer us the one on one a little bit more for the one hundred two, so you can uh, feel yeah, better yeah, yeah, yeah. about yourself okay. uh, with that. So, bets, I'm going to gauge this. Because JSN seems like he's the wide receiver one in betting markets, wide receiver one in most people's dynasty rankings for this class. Let's compare him to last year's class and a you know a couple of players even that he played with. So would you rather have JSN or Jamison Williams right now in a dynasty league? I mean, it, the thing with Jamison Williams is everyone was so excited about him, right? But you mentioned the guys that Jackson Smith and Jigba played with in you could even say current NFL stars. I was going to say future, but current NFL stars, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Jamison Williams was also there, and he transferred out once Jackson Smith and Jigba showed up. So, you know, these guys that don't do anything their rookie year, I know it was injury-related, but they generally don't have a great hit rate in fantasy, speaking about Jamison Williams. So I think personally, I'd rather have Jackson Smith and Jigba just a much safer floor. And I know that people hate the hate floor in fantasy. No one cares about the floor. Everyone wants the ceiling. But to me, when I look back on... You know, two, three years from now, picking Jamison Williams or Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to be on my roster and still contributing to my starting lineup? I feel much better about JSN than I do Jamison Williams. Yeah, Keenan Allen, you know, isn't like the wide receiver one. He's not someone that has the same ceiling as a Jamar Chase. But if you want to talk about a safe floor, Whew. it's a player like Keenan Allen. And that's, to me, the upside comp uh, here for, for JSN. You are... You're, I'm speaking dirty to you. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm ready to log out of the show and just, it, it, I'm telling you. <laughs> Put your pants back on, Kyle. It's a dynasty <laughs> show. There's no way any of us are wearing pants right now. All right, all right, one more player. Would you rather have JSN, Jason, or Chris Olave in a dynasty league? That, that is a really tough question. I hope that you did not ask me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I believe I like Jackson Smith and Jigba better as a prospect. I liked them better last year when I was – scouting Chris Olave and looking at all three players from that uh, team, I had JSN as my number one of the three. However, we talked a little bit about um, known commodities versus uh, unproven commodities. We, I know for a fact that Chris Olave has and will do it at the NFL level because he's done it. And so Right now, if I were to draft one of them ahead of the other in a startup draft, I would take Olave first. And I think I would, too, if just based on the rookie metrics, yards per outrun, targets per outrun. He did it. All right, let's talk about this next guy who, I don't know, for, for me, there's a tier break where I think Jordan Addison out of USC, there's a tier break from him and JSN where I could see Addison go you know, in the top 20 in the draft. I could see him going late first round. Uh, it really depends on what team thinks that he fits with them, but uh, he was a Blitnikoff Award winner with your boy Kenny Pickett back in 2021 at Pitt. He had an ankle injury for a little bit this past year. The thing that scares me about him, you know, we're going to talk about the weight, but his speed score is in the 10th percentile. You would think a player that's getting this type of buzz would say, oh, he's running a 4-3-5. And 4-4-9 scared me a little bit, Jason. Yeah, I don't think it should. Um the speed score is different than your 40 time, right? Speed score is usually weight adjusted, sometimes height adjusted, uh, depending on what platform you're looking at. Um, that is an exceptionally, exceptionally important statistic for running backs because 
They're trying to get tackled. They have the ball in their hands, and when they're running, they're getting hit nonstop. But that's not what happens with wide receivers. With wide receivers, it's just how fast are you? Because they can't be hit after you know the first five yards of the line of scrimmage. They're running free, and then the ball is in the air. So I don't worry so much about the weight adjust. Of course his weight-adjusted speed score is going to suck. The dude weighs 173 pounds. That's, that's just... I feel like if he ran a four three nine, his weight adjusted speed score would be bad because his weight is so bad. And so that is the red flag here is that he's uh you know, he's a smaller, thinner wide receiver. We just talked in the beginning about the fact that like these guys don't usually hit. The ones that do though, they're known commodities. They are, I don't know. Uh, Bolitnikoff award winners like this guy is. They're, I don't know, drafted in the first round of the NFL draft because the NFL goes, this guy's special, he's different. And I, Jordan Addison projects to be a first-round pick. When I watch the tape, he is a very good wide receiver. Um, there's a, a couple of other smaller guys we're going to talk about here soon. Zay Flowers, Josh Downs. Um, there's a huge difference personally when I watch Addison versus those guys. There's things I like and things I don't like on the others, but on Addison's tape, he just knows how to get open. He has so many tools in his arsenal. The way that he runs routes, sets up defenders, finds zones, there's just not a lot I don't like from Addison other than his weight, but I'm going to trust the NFL draft capital and kind of throw the weight out on this prospect. So when you talk about the tiers, I would agree with you. There's a JSN tier, then a tier break. Then there's a Jordan Addison tier to me, and then there's another tier break. That's how I view this draft class. Betts, do you see him kind of like how Jason I, – I, my comp has been Emmanuel Sanders because he could play inside and out. You'd think, okay, small, thinner uh, guy is only going to be the slot, but he, he can win in both. So do you view him similar where like, okay, he's right there, but he's behind JSN? I do. And just to speak to the weight thing, you know, a lot of the – big NFL scouts kind of had Jordan Addison as either wide receiver one wide receiver two depending on their preference with JSN from a real life NFL perspective before the combine after the combine when all of us fantasy nerds freaked out about the 40 time and weight adjusted speed score the NFL draft scouts really didn't change it that much you know maybe he dropped to the third wide receiver but for a lot of these guys he's still one of their top two wide receivers and if they don't think that that matters as much based off his game and his profile which I agree with Jason it doesn't matter as much because he's such a crafty wide receiver with high runs as routes, then I don't think it's going to make a huge difference for me, assuming he goes round one in the NFL draft. But yes, I do agree. It's JSN at the top, then Jordan Addison kind of in his own uh, second tier, personally, for my preference. And depending on sports books, there's been some movement of who the second wide receiver will be drafted. We'll talk about those in just a second, but you know, right now it's Zay Flowers on DraftKings Sportsbook as the next wide receiver taken, but we have a different wide receiver in ranking, and we'll get right to them next. Hey, Foot Clan, right now is a great moment to head over to ultimatedraftkit.com. Yes, it's back for 2023, and it includes all of our tier-based rankings, premium stat projections, video player profiles, the custom cheat sheets, everything you know and love from the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. If you get the big boy, the UDK Plus, you get the Dynasty Pass. You also get access to other perks, including the Draft Day Analyzer, where we look at your team and we tell you where you can improve everything you need to win at your draft. Head over to ultimatedraftkit.com. 
right, we're going to keep going with these wide receivers. Quinton Johnson out of TCU. In our ranks, Andy has him four. Jason and Mike have him three. And uh, this is one of my bugaboos when I look at wide receivers and I see players in college that were quote-unquote jump ball or contested catch guys. And at the combine, uh, Quinn Johnson said, hey, I'm just going to jump. I'm not going to run my 40 time. I'm definitely not going to do the three-cone drill because he's not good at it. Uh, And yes, his vertical, his explosive numbers look great. 98th percentile in our metrics. But his pro day was pretty underwhelming, only 4-5-1. And I go back and I watch the Georgia tape and I say there were times he was open. There's also one catch that he had in the entire game where he was just completely erased. So I don't know how you feel, but like he has the range of outcomes where he could be the biggest bust in the first round uh, compared to these other guys. What do you think, Jason? Well, yeah, no, I, I would agree that he can be the biggest bust in the sense that these small slot guys, the the Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, um, e- even Addison, they're going to be solid enough tacticians where they're not going anywhere. They're not going to not be part of an NFL team and flame out. But for fantasy purposes, they might not do as much as what Quentin Johnston can do. Quentin Johnston is the type of body and skill set where you see sometimes they get to the NFL and it just don't work out. They don't create the separation. They're not strong enough uh, to to bully the NFL guys like they did some of the college guys and you Hakeem Butler. You know, and whoa, and whoa. I know it's tough. Hey, he's, hey, he's crushing it in the XFL right now. Exactly, because some <laughs> of these big body guys can beat up on lesser competition. But when those big body guys go up against NFL corners, NFL linebackers, it's like, oh, man, I really miss beating up on the small guys. Let me go to the XFL and dominate. And so that's the worry here with Quentin Johnston is that he's not going to translate as, you know, being a dominant guy, but. The reason I have him at number three for my fantasy football rankings is because his ceiling is perhaps the highest of everyone, including JSN. His yards after the catch ability are great. What he would do so often when he catches a long ball is he would, you know, basically when the catch is happening, the guys would run into him, fall to the ground, and he would run home. Or, as I talked about on the main show, He's got his one patented spin move where he's coming back to the ball, but apparently no one can guard it. Um, he's obviously 208 pounds, so you've got that threshold where you know uh, in zone, red zone, those type of targets, uh, tall jump balls, things like that are going to happen for him more than they would happen for a Zay Flowers type of player. So I, I like him. Now, there are... There are issues. There are red flags. I don't think he's he's not the best, and this is kind of a problem for wide receivers. He's not the best catcher of the ball. You need that, they say. Yeah, you got to be good at catching the ball. I mean, obviously Allegedly. he 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 can catch the ball, but you see so many balls that go into his chest, the you know, body catches, and it's just not what usually translates well. So that's a problem. But he's got the size, he's got the speed, he has the production, and He'll he'll probably have the draft capital too. I think he'll still be a first round pick. He could he could fall out of the first round, but I would doubt in this week of a draft class, and and him being kind of the uh, consensus number one big bodied wide receiver, I would bet he has first round draft capital. His his comps in terms of play style, 
and let's say he gets first round, early second, you know, it's probably first, is a lot of players that had big touchdown seasons, but the swings on them, like, you know, Christian Watson this past season, very similar player, tall, you know, can can win deep. Uh, Josh Doxson, also from TCU, is a comp we had. Uh, Bets, we had Martavis Bryant that we both got at uh, different awesome, huge moments, and then ones where he, dudes out of the league. Yeah, I'm not even sure we mentioned the best part of uh, Quentin Johnson's game is the yak. Uh, 8.9 yards after the catch per reception is incredible. And when he gets the ball in his hands, like you said, Jason, in college, the first thing I took away from watching his tape is he's just more athletic than who he was playing against, which clearly is a concern when he gets to the NFL. But he is dangerous with the ball in his hands. And the one thing that I kind of, you know, separate here from like watching him play and just looking at him on a spreadsheet is the production is great. Early breakout age, you know, did it for a couple years in a row things that you like to see in a Power 5 conference. But almost 25% of his receptions came on screens in college. And so the production, to me, when you're thinking about how he translates to the NFL, might be a little misleading, might be a little fluky. So yeah, I kind of agree with what you guys are saying. Like You see that Martavis Bryant type of like, oh, he can get the ball in his hands and do some really fun things for fantasy. But we know that that has a very wide range of outcomes. And so looking back on a player like this, in two, three years, no one should be shocked if he's not even on a roster or anything like that, right? Or producing for an NFL team, but also you can see the upside case. So massive range of outcomes here for this player. And and I kind of just feel like lukewarm on him as a prospect. One of those guys that if there is someone in your league that like loves this dude, I would have no problem trading away the rookie pick associated with him for a proven player. Yeah. The, the landing spot for a while was Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, with Odo Beckham, that's not a guarantee. They still could use early draft capital on it, but his will be interesting. Like when I when we do our post NFL draft uh, look in the UDK plus, his landing spot will be interesting because I could see him, you know, be as high as you know one hundred five, one hundred six, like be the second wide receiver off the board, and then you know back at the first round, like we were talking about earlier. So he's kind of got that wide range of outcomes. I'm excited to talk about this next player, and maybe it's more just for the like the fun gadget part of it. I don't know how it'll translate to fantasy. So Jason, like. Bring me in if I'm just going over the top here. Okay. It's Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, the junior. Uh, man, I, what if I told you I spent some company hours researching Jalen Hyatt high school uh, highlights? I would say that's great news. We, we pay you to do that. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I, I was telling someone the other day, like, hey, man, I, like, I was doing a mock draft in the middle of the day for my job, and you guys aren't doing your job helping me do this. Uh, but what if I told you that Jalen Hyatt was a state champion four years in a row for the Dutch Fork Silver Foxes. Ooh, sounds nice. What How do you do in college? Well, Silver Foxes is a sweet <laughs> high school name. Like I've not heard of many teams uh, that do that. But no, because that means like sexy old man. I now. know. <laughs> it's like, oh, let, let's. <laughs> you want to play for the sexy old men? Yes, I do. <laughs> that is the team that I want to be on as a seventeen-year-old. No, uh, so he had a great production profile, but he broke out this past year. Was a Bolitnikoff Award winner. Fifteen touchdowns in the SEC. And we mentioned this on the main show. Go watch his tape against Alabama if you just want to, you know, have fun. See somebody that scores five touchdowns against Alabama. That's unheard of. His yards per route run this past year, 3.27. He had big receptions. I'm saying a bunch of great stuff. But now I need to mention the fact that he was 176 pounds and he broke out a bit later than we'd like. Uh, so, Jason, will his skill set work in the NFL? It's it's a great question. Um, he's he's one of those players that there is no sure guarantee 
that he he will work. Um, when you watch film, he's wide open. I mean, so often he is just uncoverable. Uncover- but a lot of times that comes from, you know, Tennessee. And I'm not a I'm not a giant college guy. I don't I don't follow college. I'm an NFL through and through. January comes around, I start scouting all the combine people, and I've, I've scouted. Uh, college prospects now for you know eight nine years uh, so I'm, I'm not new to this but I don't know the ins and outs I hear all the time about Tennessee is such a gadgety offense that it's such like a fake you know offense that just manufactures these crazy statistics and points and I've got a couple things to say on that because this is my platform one if that is possible, why aren't more colleges doing this? <laughs> like, oh, that's not a real offense. They just m- manufacture all these points. Uh, yeah, then do that. Because uh, last I checked, manufacturing points is your goal as a coach. So if you can do this, like, <laughs> like it's just such a silly thing to me. But assuming that everyone is right, that they, for some reason, know the cheat code that other people don't know. And I, and I see some of that, like these stack formations where you've got Jalen Hyatt lined up behind another wide receiver. And so once the ball is snapped, he's just sprinting. No one could get a, a hands on him. No one could press him at the line of scrimmage. And next thing you know, he's gone. Right. That probably won't happen in the NFL. And so I really like a lot of his tape. I, I, I like his change of direction. Um, I like the way that he moves his body. I hate how he holds his head, but uh, the, the body movement to me is is smooth, quick, and fast. The issues that I have are he's not, you know, he's 173 pounds like Jordan Addison. He's not the tactician. He's not the proven commodity. He's not the route runner or the all-around wide receiver that Jordan Addison is. He's more of a one-trick pony in using his speed, and so that is a worry of will that light of a player work with one trick yeah bets your thoughts yeah when, when we started the show and talked about kind of what we're looking for in scouting these guys i mentioned being a little bit uh you know worried about these one trick ponies and this is the guy i was talking about in jalen hyatt um took three years to break out only has that one year of production and like you said jason on tape it's pretty much the same thing every th- single time you watch him so I think he's a guy who's going to take some time to develop into a wide receiver for the NFL if he ever does. And I've seen a ton of Will Fuller comps because it's so easy to say, oh, Will Fuller was so explosive, incredible speed, great deep threat, so many big spike weeks for fantasy. But I think Will Fuller was a better prospect than Jalen Hyatt personally. So I'm a little down on him. And we kind of mentioned, you know, three guys that we think are almost guaranteed to go in the first round very, very likely. Jalen Hyatt is the first name on our list of guys that may not get that first round draft capital. He is getting some visits into the kind of the the teams picking in like the 21 to 26 7 type range, so maybe, but it's also possible he lands in round 2. Doesn't sound like a huge difference, but when you look at hit rate for second round wide receivers in the NFL draft versus first, it actually does make a pretty big difference. So, I'm not a huge Jalen Hyatt guy, maybe I'm wrong, but I just I'm a little worried about these like I said one trick ponies. Yeah, I think he might be a player that's just more fun to to watch the tape than being able to say he's going to be a consistent fantasy performer. And just to put some names to it, their offense, Jason mentioned, is kind of gimmicky. It's very much like Baylor was, where it's very spread, very wide open. Their wide receivers getting a ton of free releases. And there was a period where Baylor had a bunch of first-round mm-hmm. picks. Yep. Your boy Corey Coleman, Kendall Wright. Oh, man, I remember Pain. taking... 
taking so much con- pain in fantasy. <laughs> and you know what? For a brief, I mean, Josh Gordon was was it with Baylor? Uh, your boy Terrence Williams, Terrence Williams of the of the uh, Cowboys. Like they had players that got drafted, but it couldn't really translate. It just takes his team though that knows how to use him in the right way to say he can be. I don't know, seventy five percent of Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, who's an outlier in himself. Like, but for fantasy it's really hard to say that he's going to be one of those outliers, right? Yeah, it, it it is a little bit more difficult. Obviously, the draft capital will help. He was the Bolitnikoff Award winner, so he won the award for basically the best wide receiver in college football. There's a lot to like. I know Andy has him number three, loves his film. And I, I see, you know, when he, he does some special things that the average wide receiver is not going to be able to do. There's a place for him in the NFL. It's just a matter of, will that translate to Weekly, consistent fantasy football production. If I had to bet, I'm probably betting against most of the players from here on out. All right, I'm going to move a little faster through some of these prospects. And one, because I'm just not as high on Zay Flowers, senior out of Boston College, lightly recruited. Also, fun fact, he's the 11th of 14 kids. So his mama was busy. What? Yeah. Oh, busy's one God word bless for it. Whoa. A fruitful woman she was. 14 kids? Yeah. So I the, my my notes right here is I Human don't factory. I don't feel like Zay Flowers. So he's 5'9, 182, obviously on the smaller side. He's older for a prospect, but I feel like he doesn't have a face card in his hand. Like just to be to use poker terms. Like I don't think he has like an ace up his sleeve, but I also don't think he has a jack, a queen, a king. Like, I don't think there's anything that I can say Zay Flowers is great at this. And, like, I was looking through some of his production profile. It's like, oh, he's has the most receiving yards ever from Boston College. One, he played four years there. And Boston College hasn't had a wide receiver drafted in the NFL since before I was born. So over 35 years ago. So, like, what am I missing that people are saying he's going to be a first-round pick, Betts? I'm not surprised that you're not a big Zay Flowers fan because people that don't know Kyle just know that if there's a trendy thing happening, he will do the opposite. And it feels like if you want to be cool, you got to be in on Zay Flowers because he's like the trendy, not the top of the top five in the class wide receiver. He feels very similar, not in play style or comp or anything like that. But like last year, fantasy players got so enamored with Sky Moore. Everyone was like, oh, Sky Moore is great. Sky Moore is great. He's going to be the next thing. The sneaky pick. And we turned out, you know, the NFL didn't think as highly of him as maybe fantasy players did. The thing that's different is Zay Flowers is getting real first round buzz. And so that's why I think we need to pay attention to him. I agree, though. There are some things to be concerned about in his complete profile. You mentioned being a four year player, not an early declare, playing at BC, stuff like that. Um, but there is also a lot to like on tape with him, too. Like, I think he plays really tough for his size. I wish some of these bigger body wide receivers played as tough as he does. So I like that about him. Um, and you know, I think he's a guy that has a, uh, like I've said, a lot of these guys have a massive wide range of outcomes, but relative to Kyle, I'm a little higher on Zay flowers. Uh, personally, I think he's one of those guys who can sneak into the first round of the NFL draft. And if that happens, obviously you need to pay attention. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like he has a real good shot at, at landing in the first round. You look at a lot of the big boards from the most respected names out there and Zay flowers is extremely high. I remember at the combine, uh, listening to Daniel Jeremiah talk about Zay Flowers and how much he impressed them. It wasn't because of the measurables. There is um, there's a reality to watching uh, players in real life run routes and set things up and see how smooth and how different 
certain players are. You know, you can time a, a, a three cone or a, any kind of drill and say, okay, he, he ran this that fast. But that's not necessarily what wide receiver gets open, what wide receiver sets up a defender, what wide receiver knows when to break and how to break and does it so smooth with extreme body control. I think that is where Zay Flowers wins. He is better than others. You know, the, the Zay Flowers-Josh Downs comp, they're very similar size, weight, uh, skill set type of players. And I, I know, uh, you know, I've seen people who love Josh Downs a lot more, but Film-wise, when I watch them, that's the specialty. That's the the ace up the sleeve. It's not in his hand, Kyle. He's he's a cheater. He's got it in his <laughs> sleeve, uh, but he's going to bring that ace out, and it's really just his tactician route running uh, ability. If he goes in the first round, that will push this sub one ninety player up to saying, "Okay, the NFL believes he's fully legit. I want to see what his landing spot is." I don't love you know, betting on a player this size to be fantasy relevant. But he does, to me, have uh, some special – like, he's a very good wide receiver. And so hopefully that can translate in the modern NFL. Uh, but I would be remiss if I did not bring up that he has the shortest arms of all time. See, so Zay you, Flow you better put that ball on him. He can't reach it. Zay Flowers can be a good player. But the comp that I hate seeing, and we looked this up too, is everybody wants to find – Tyler Lockett in this class because like oh here's a bunch of small fast wide receivers he's not Tyler Lockett no there's not a Tyler Lockett in this class hi it's not Tyler Lockett uh Flowers isn't Tyler Lockett Tyler Lockett is a he's he's his own thing man right the the comp that I had was a possession receiver uh like Eddie Royal who's an old uh, Broncos wide receiver we actually had a wide receiver one season back in the day but just like you're getting a competent NFL player that I don't think fantasy-wise is going to have a long shelf life to say Zay Flowers is going to be awesome for the next five to six years. He's going to be 23 when they start the year, so dude's a bit older. A player that I'm more excited to talk about is Marvin Mims Jr. Uh, from Oklahoma, and this dude has been great for forever. Marvin Mims uh, in high school, Frisco, Texas, home of dude perfect, uh, was a four-star recruit, was Mr. Texas football and he set the national record for most receiving yards in a season. You know, we always talk about like Derrick Henry's uh -huh. like high school numbers. Go look at Marvin Mims. I tweeted this out a while ago. His senior year, he averaged like two and a half touchdowns per game. It was insane. And then he goes to college, and he's a big play guy, and he checks a ton of boxes. It's an early declare. He's only 21 years old, and he actually did run an awesome time, right? Four three eight. Like he actually came through. Usually, guys run like Jalen Hyatt. And he just hit 4-4. So a lot of boxes are checked, but the draft capital from what we're seeing seems to be like he's the third round guy for a lot of boards as opposed to, to me, it's like, oh, if I just look at production, this looks like a second round pick. Yeah, he's done it since he was a little baby boy. And he, there's nothing that I've seen to not like. There are uh, yellow flags out there. You know, Ooh, oh, a lot of production yellow. comes from these uh you know from the deep ball and he doesn't do it unnecessarily on all three levels of the field but it's one of those things where that doesn't mean he can't uh I haven't seen anything to say that he's not good in short and intermediate just because he was so good at, at deep passes you know it's like if it works deep let it work that that's not a knock on the rest of your game uh, I think he's got very good hands. If you haven't seen the spectacular, absurd catch, which I feel like at this point you probably have, 
it's one of those all timers, so it's it makes the rounds on Twitter a lot. But where he goes up deep down the field and catches the ball behind the defender's back with one hand is just awesome. So I, I, I really like Marvin Mims. When I did my first round of scouting months ago, I remember going down through and and I because th- I was going through kind of other people's uh, consensus orders and Marvin Mims was a little lower. And I was like, what am I missing? What do I not understand? Why have, why did I just scout like four or five people that aren't as good as this guy before this guy? Because he's, he's way better. And the more that I've looked into him, the more that I like pretty much every box he checks. Again, undersized, but that's this year's, that's this year's wide receiver, 183 pounds. That's not what I love for fantasy purposes. Maybe trade, uh, you know, if someone's in love, I would I would rather trade for a known commodity. But if I'm going to bet on one of these undersized guys, Marvin Mims will be near the top of my betting list. Yeah, I always get a little worried when, like, we think a player is better than the NFL, which clearly the NFL knows what they're doing. And you see that kind of third round projected draft capital or, or something along those lines. It, it really makes me a little worried. But that said, because of the fact that he's not projected to go in round one or round two, he's going to be a guy that you can take a shot on, I think, in a lot of early second rounds of rookie drafts where it's, you know, no risk and hopefully some reward for a guy like Marvin Mims. So I'm with you. I do like him. I also want to point out, too, we've seen, um, I, I don't know what this really comes back to, whether it's just coaches wanting to get these players on the field and get them involved, but wide receivers in college who contribute in the return game for some reason, translate a little bit better uh, to the NFL. He does have that in his profile as well. So just to point that out, Marvin Mims. So I'm with you. I like him. But again, he's kind of this, I keep saying it, but such a wide range of outcomes, a guy that I'm okay taking on my teams, but not a guy that I'm necessarily going out and trying to trade for early seconds just to get him, if if that makes sense. I would agree that you got to be careful when, when, you know, a fantasy community likes a player a lot more than the NFL. But also sometimes it happens in reverse where, I, I will be. I will not be surprised at all if he's a second round pick. Like I, right now, that's my expectation. I think he's going to go in the second round. And so, um, if that happens, and it's just been kind of a quiet, you know, hush hush on Mims, and then the team is like, "Yeah, I'm taking him in the second round," then they see what we're seeing, and that you know can uh, confirm the bias or you know show that okay, th- this this is legit. I remember when Chris Godwin came out; he was a player that. I would say the NFL wasn't high on, and in fantasy, we we talked about him. I remember Matt Harmon talked about him a bunch too, and ended up being a player that in the second round you could get despite getting you know later draft capital. I think that's what could happen here. My comp is a faster Deontay Johnson. You would be super happy with that if your second-round rookie pick ended up being somebody like Deontay Johnson. Uh, he was on that group that you mentioned, Jason, sub-190, although yes. th- did he actually help your team this past year? Not this year, <laughs> no. but he's been better than than this last year. Deontay Johnson is a solid uh, wide receiver. Him and Tyler Lockett are those two true outliers who weren't first-round draft picks who were in the top 50. Um, all right, this next player, Josh Downs, <laughs> I besmirched to the end of the world on the main podcast, and no one came to his defense, so I want to recuse myself here. I'm not. I'm. I'm out on Josh Downs. 171 pounds. He's itty bitty. He's tiny. When I see him, he plays small. I know. I got a. I got a bunch of feedback. What are you talking about? He's contested catch kings. Okay. What? Well, this is my opinion. My opinion. He's. He plays weak. That's what I saw. And we'll see how it works in the NFL. Talk to me in a year or two, and I will happily. I hope. I root for all these players. I hope I am wrong, and Josh Downs just dominates in the NFL. It's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but that's just my opinion. But. 
<laughs> there are people who absolutely are in love with this guy who say he might be a sneaky first round pick. So you two t- say say nicer things because I I do think it's important. Um, that this is a, a highly uh, thought of prospect in NFL uh, draft communities, and we haven't given the Foot Clan any uh, positivity. So get, pour, pour some positivity on Josh Down. Yeah, you definitely took a dump on him on the main show, and my phrase was, Jason, that he was too productive for you, um, and that's okay. No, so I'll say this about Josh Downs. The context of a player that's 5'9", 171, needs to be what can he be. So my, my comp is... He's a faster, less tough version of Jamison Crowder, which I don't even know if people like that. He's Wandale Robinson size, um, but I have a soft spot because he's from a place in Georgia where I grew up, uh, North Gwinnett High School, state champ. So that's part of it, Jason. Oh, okay, okay. Now but, I see. but when you and I watch film and watch film of him, it's really hard to not look at the quarterback, Drake May, who's going to be a top pick next year, and look at that offense at North Carolina. Like 195 receptions in the last two years is a monster total yeah. Like to, to put up in college. They have the ACC version of the air raid there, so it's very different. I know you're a UNC guy, Betts, so maybe we have to look at this a little different. So I'll let you go first, and I'll swing back around and give my thoughts of what he can be. Yeah, I don't want to be overly optimistic about a player that I see zero ceiling for, truthfully, in the NFL. That said, it does not mean that I don't think he can be productive for our fantasy rosters. I I don't know why Jameson Crowder is is the talk of the town on this show this week, but apparently he is, and maybe that gives you an idea of this wide receiver class. But if you were going to get a early second round rookie pick, maybe late first wide receiver in Josh Downs, and he gives you two, three, four years of solid wide receiver three PPR production, which I think Josh Downs can do, I'm good with that. Like not every wide receiver can be an alpha wide receiver one in the NFL. There's only 12 of them for fantasy. And usually they're the same guys year after year because they're the elite ones. So just be realistic with yourself. That's not what you're going to get with Josh Downs, but can he be a guy that contributes on your roster? A flex type guy for fantasy? I think so. And so when I watch the tape, there's some things that I like about him. Just ultra reliable hands. I mean, he catches everything that goes to him. Obviously, he has a smaller frame, so he's not going to catch those big contested catches, but he's not afraid to fight through traffic. Um, Reliable is the thing that I kept writing down when I watched him play. So I'm okay with him. But again, not the ceiling type of play that you maybe want to swing for the fences if that's your style. Yeah, I would say Josh Downs is nothing special. So I, I, I think Jason and I have kind of realized that we're more in line like I, Jason's definitely more down than me. He's not a great polished route runner. I think that he is subtle and quick, especially how they used him around the red zone. It's kind of like an, another wide receiver we won't get, get to talk about too much. Nathaniel Dell from Houston. Mm-hmm. Itty bitty, really small, but like red zone weapons and how they were used and schemed open and super quick. And that can work in the NFL if you're not relied upon as being the dude and you're getting free releases. I mean, these guys are small, so like, that guy's got some crazy moves on his routes. Nathaniel Dell? Like, yeah. But he'll 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 set people up totally different because I, I don't know, maybe if you don't have any weight on your body, you can do different things with your body that That's like That's what they say. It's just it's just crazy some of the you know, I, I really enjoy watching him again, hundred and sixty five pounds. So it's like, is is this really gonna be <clears throat> reliable on an NFL field for fantasy? Probably not. Yeah, it's it's KJ Hamler, who I know he's got like he's off everybody's radar, but coming to the NFL, KJ Hamler was drafted in the second round, the same year they took Jerry Judy. So the NFL thinks that they can use players like this, but the majority of them will not work out for fantasy. So Josh Downs is a player I hope, like 
I hope you can get him in the second round, but if he gets that second round draft capital, people are going to be taking him at the end of the first round. And if you just know what you're going to get, like Bet said, like, I don't know, three years of PPR value is is about all you're going to get of flex-worthy stuff. But let's hit a couple of names here at the end of players that just like, hey, I want to mention this player. We have all of these in the UDK Plus if you want to like get the full profile, production profile. We got to talk about Cedric Tillman because before this past year, he was the Tennessee wide receiver that was thought of way more highly than Jalen Hyatt. And he's the only true X wide receiver in this class. Like he's the only dude, 6'3", 213, who's big enough. And at Tennessee, Jason was mentioning like the way that they skim, scheme people, the way that they do things, he was exclusively used on the right side. But I think he's getting right now like kind of fringe round two, round three, like draft capital. And he's the only big dude in this class. So Jason, what are your black book notes that people could sell right now on the internet for tons of money? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, on, on Cedric Tillman, he might be the best, uh, you know, full-sized wide receiver in the, in the draft class. He was supposed to be great, really got injured this last year. Um, most of my notes on him are about his body control, just really really good body control for someone that you know sometimes these these big you know 215 pound type uh wide receivers they're more lumbering um that that does not seem the case for Cedric Tillman so <clears throat> I like his production all the Tennessee guys are old I don't know why <laughs> they refuse to let them break out young Bayless Jones was old Cedric Tillman's old uh the breakouts happen late. That's a knock on him. But I really did. If you want a guy who you're like, man, I I need a I need an X. I need someone that can come in here and get 125 targets and you know catch a lot of balls and just be the number one target in an offense. I do think Cedric Cedric Tillman can play that role. And he missed. That's what was it? A high ankle? Like he missed a lot of this past season. Yeah, he underwent uh, tightrope surgery, which is, if you're familiar with, obviously, the NFL, which if you're listening to this, you are. Uh, some guy named Cooper Cup, you may have heard of. He had the tightrope procedure this past year with his surgery. It's just a, a reference of kind of a similar player, but should be fine. No concerns for me from an injury perspective entering this year. And just to point out, too, like we've talked a lot of negativity about guys like uh, Jalen Hyatt. He's maybe going to be a first-round NFL wide receiver. Cedric Tillman was more productive than Jalen Hyatt two years ago. So we always look for guys that can, you know, outproduce NFL caliber players. I think Cedric Tillman's With, a, an interesting sleeper in this class. It's not just two years ago, really, when they were both on the field, Cedric Tillman outproduced Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt. And, and you can't necessarily blame him because once he has his breakout, he has his breakout. But if you look at the splits, when what he did without Cedric Tillman on the field, that's when Jalen Hyatt really exploded and was yeah. far more productive. So yeah, there's, there's an argument here that Tillman is the better Tennessee wide receiver over Jalen Hyatt, who obviously is going to go way earlier in your rookie drafts. At this point of talking about wide receiver rankings, it's it's back to what you said earlier, Betts. It's the one-trick ponies of guys that maybe you like a little bit more. Draft capital is going to be the thing that determines which of these wide receivers you might want to take. So, like, Rasheed Rice out of SMU, yeah. like, he had some big catches. He led the NCAA in receptions of 20-plus you know, yards down the field, so... If you like that, you like that. Bryce Ford Wheaton, like at the combine, did some awesome stuff. Four three eight, uh, but he's more of a physical specimen. Kayshawn Boutte or Booty Booty uh, is someone that's kind of been down on draft boards, but he came in highly thought of. Uh, yeah, he was supposed to be the next like young superstar. He, he was the 
the LSU highly recruited guy who comes in and his rookie year just looks outstanding. I mean, he was ready to be a, a, a top 10 NFL draft pick and then just disappeared. Lost uh, the heart to play football. I don't know what it is. Obviously, he had off the field uh, shenanigans, uh, <laughs> which were uh, you can look those up. Those are a lot of fun. Um, but but he really never got better. Never improved. Uh, looked like to me he got almost like I don't want. He got slower. I don't know how that happens. Maybe he's just you know taking it easy buying his own, you know, drinking his own Kool-Aid. Um, but a couple of years ago, he was supposed to be a superstar. I still think in the dynasty community, there will be people that draft him based upon that hype. And I just don't think that hype will ever come to fruition. Yeah, it's it's just there's going to be NFL teams that think more highly of these players than where we have them ranked, which is why our rankings do change based on draft capital. It's a big part of it. Uh, players like A.T. Perry who's like a bean pole, but he's 6'4", and that's like unheard of in this class. He's super old out of Wake Forest. Like that might be a player that gets, you know, uh, round three type draft capital. I want to bring up Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. He is, <laughs> I hate saying this, a bigger Josh Downs. He's only 5'10", but he just looks bigger on the field, uh, 177. What's interesting about Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati is he has the sprinter speed, he has the background, but he was a running back in high school. Like He had crazy production his last few years in high school, 45 rushing touchdown. He's not as subtle as like Downs or uh, Tank Dell, Nathaniel Dell, but I feel like he's super fluid, and he's been getting buzz recently steamed up the boards right now where he can be a, you know, he's going to be a day two pick, it seems like. So players like him, he's more well-rounded than these slot-only guys we've been talking about. Like, okay, like, when we look at Josh Down, there's no way that dude's going to be able to win on the outside. He's going to get destroyed. Tyler Scott actually has a little bit more to him. He's young enough. He didn't have huge production at Cincinnati. Uh, Alec Pierce was there the year before. But uh, I, I think he can be you know, the wide receiver five in this class uh, when all's said and done. So he's somebody I like a little bit more. Uh, Bets, any name that you want to bring up? Yeah, one I'll just throw out because he's been kind of out of sight, out of mind, is Parker Washington out of Penn State. He dealt with an ankle injury, missed the last three games of the year, and then hasn't been able to work out at all this offseason. So no combine numbers, no pro day. So no athletic testing numbers for him, which is why we haven't heard a thing about him. But just to point out kind of things that I've liked about him is just he's tough. He's a competitor. He really does fight through traffic for a smaller framed guy. The highest, highest possible range of outcomes that I see is that Golden Tate type of guy who's just really good with the ball in his hands, can break tackles, really tough to bring down. That said, he's probably going to play in the slot. And so does he? is he good enough to work himself into two wide receiver sets in the NFL? Which if you're not, that's really not great for fantasy. So a name to monitor, probably a mid-round pick in the NFL draft. But yeah, a lot of these guys, like if, if you as a dynasty player have a guy that you like, this is the area where you should not be afraid to uh, shoot your shot. Yeah, let's be honest. Third round rookie picks, I'm writing an article on this, is shooting your shot and the hit rate is way lower than you think. But... There are players that sneak into that. Like Terry McLaurin was a you know third-round draft pick, and in rookie drafts was just like, I don't know what to do with this guy. Like no one thought highly of him. Mm -hmm. You know, he had some kick return stuff in college that made him just f a fun prospect. But those are the kind of players you roll the dice. But overall, third-round rookie picks, like these are going to be the guys there. Yeah, when, when um, the NFL surprises you and drafts someone 
much higher than you thought, which will happen. It happens every single year. Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, he goes super high, and you're like, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't expect him to be drafted this high. Adjust your rookie rankings and draft those guys the way that the NFL <laughs> drafted them because that's usually a really, really good sign of um, – you know, the investment to get this player on the field, which is a prerequisite for fantasy success. Yeah, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State is one of those that I think could end up in the third, fourth round that is intriguing to me. He's a little bit older as a prospect, but has more a more well-rounded game, had some fun production at Michigan State, so he's another name to throw out. But you can get all those players, all the production profiles in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, and if you want to go on our site, the Rookie Profile Articles, we got one more segment. Take it or leave it. All right, we're going to end this show. Last week, we talked about one nasty boy, one person at the end of your bench. This week, we're clenching our butt cheeks, Jason. Mm -hmm. I usually am. And this is a player that we, this is a player on your roster right now in Dynasty with a lot to gain on draft night, but you also have to figure out how to maneuver this player before and after the draft. So, Betts, who is a player that you think has a lot to gain on draft night, and then how are you responding as a Dynasty manager based on what happens? Yes, the player that I put down on the dock here is Eagles running back Rashad Penny, which just a few weeks ago in free agency, everyone was falling all over themselves about the Rashad Penny signing with Miles Sanders gone. But when you zoom in on the contract, he's making less money both in his contract as a whole and guaranteed than Boston Scott. So it can go really good for Rashad Penny on draft night if they don't take one of these running backs in the first or second round. Or it could go really, really bad. Like if they take someone like a Jameer Gibbs or, or whoever it might be. So he's a guy that I think right now, while there's still value left, that people are still maybe holding on to the fact that he could be the dude. Now is the time, especially if you're not a contender in your league and dynasty, to get out on Rashad Penny. Would you rather have Rashad Penny or a mid-second round rookie pick? Very dependent, I think, on on your outlook. If you're a competitor this year and you've got a top four team, I'd just keep Penny and hope for the best. Otherwise, I'm I'm getting out. All right, Jason, give me give me another uh, running back. He's been a favorite of yours since he. Came. I remember you scouting him. Yes, Ramondre is what I call them. The big, you know, the round mound of of rebound. Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, he, look, when he when he's in shape, he's phenomenal. He's one of the only really really big running backs who can catch the ball well. <clears throat> His outlook right now could be absolutely fantastic. Could be a top ten running back this coming season. There's been a lot of rumors about blue chip running backs being desired by the uh, Patriots, whether that's a Gibbs or a Bijan, uh, that would destroy him. So he's he's got the most to gain to me by them just not drafting any kind of heir apparent or major competition. This is a deep draft class, so hopefully they you know spend a day three pick on a, you know a solid back. I'm sure they're going to bring someone in, but not a day two pick. This is what Andy did. He made the gamble before the NFL draft, saying that New England would trade uh, or, or get somebody in the draft. And so he traded away Ramondre Steven. I, I feel like you have to make that decision before, though, right? Yeah, I mean, you, I don't, you don't have to. Right. You can wait and see. Um, if you are strongly convicted that the Patriots are absolutely going to add a day two or better running back, then you want to trade Ramondre Stevenson right now. I mean, that, that you know, because what happens then if you didn't? 
is it happens and it ruins them. And then you go, oh, I knew they were going to do this. Like, well, if you knew they were going to do that, you're just extra upset at yourself for not following through on your convictions. This is a player that my butt cheeks are fully clenched for. It's KJ Osborne, a.k.a. Kendrick Osborne Jr. He's about to be 26. He's in a contract year. And the Vikings have been mocked uh, at 23rd overall a lot with a bunch of these wide receivers. I've seen Jordan Addison mock there a ton to compliment Justin Jefferson, but they only have two picks on the first two days, like 23rd overall and 87th. If they don't add a wide receiver, one of those picks like KJ Osborne seems to be their wide receiver too this next year. But for me, he's kind of in no man's land because I don't know what he's going to be the year after. Like who says he's going to resign with this team. He's kind of one of those wide receiver two, three types that if they don't add anyone after the draft, then he will get steamed up. I will gladly trade him away. Uh, if you just look at his production, you go, okay, you know, 90 targets this past year, five touchdowns, 82 targets. He had seven touchdowns. His yards per route run and his targets per route run numbers are not great. So he's only targeted on 16.5% of his routes. He, to me, I don't think he will ever be the number two target in this offense ahead of TJ Hawkinson. So to me, he's a player that I'm willing to trade away because I think, I don't think we'll be even talking about KJ Osborne two or three years from now. I think he's going to be an irrelevant player. Maybe for 2023, he still has some life, but in Dynasty, he's one of those players who's like, I just don't want any part of. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, you can see the path for success for him. You, it's it's clear and obvious. Right now, he's the wide receiver, two on an offense that is a top-half offense. And so the path is there. But if you look just historically, players like K.J. Osborne coming into year four who haven't really done anything of relevance yet, they don't usually hit. And, yeah, the path is there. But, the, the you know, the Vikings are looking at their team as well and saying, Okay, he's he's okay, but we they know what he is at this point. He's been in the NFL for three seasons, and it you know they're gonna say, is this who we want as our two? Probably not. Yeah, he's one of those guys. It's just like at this point, I don't. I think I can't get anything more from him. So before the NFL draft, if you think they're not gonna get somebody, he's someone I'm willing to package and sell as he's wide receiver two opposite Justin Jefferson. That's going to do it for this show. If you want to get all of our rookie rankings, like I mentioned, ultimatedraftkit.com. Get the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. Next week, your boy Mike will be on the show. Quarterbacks and tight ends. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the fantasyfootballers.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. 
You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.